Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. Looking good, you'll be in for a fight And we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job And we get goals good Looking good, we are Carlisle United Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle The number one place to get your kinetic fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Adam Tisson It's six defeats in a row for the Blues And a midweek opportunity to rest that run is washed out by the weather We look back on the 1-0 home loss against Tabletop as Portsmouth Before previewing this weekend's huge home clash With fellow struggles, Cambridge United I think we sort of said last week, didn't we, Adam, that we felt, not that the Portsmouth game was a free hit, because I don't think you should ever really look at any game like that, but it was always the one that was going to be the toughest of this run of free games coming up at that point. And we all looked at Burton away on the Tuesday night, I thought, right, we beat them at home, this is a chance for us to get the three points. I think I'm more disappointed about that game being called off than the defeat against Portsmouth, if I'm honest. Yeah, there's probably a couple of ways you can look at it. One, that could have been a good chance to sort of bounce back off what was a, mm-hmm. a loss ultimately, but a better performance um, mm-hmm. against a team we've already beaten this season, which is few and far between. Um, but obviously you could have had the theory before the uh, injury news today that maybe we'll be able to get a couple of players back by the time that oh. replay uh, ends up coming round. But as... Has been the case this season. The injury gods have spited us. Yes, we'll be talking about that later on. But it's it's sadly not good news from Sir in the uh, pre-game um, press conference that took place earlier today. We're recording on Thursday, late Thursday afternoon, so we've got a little bit of reaction from that. Um, but yeah, we're going to be looking back on the Portsmouth defeat. We'll talk a little bit about the Burton call-off. Um, there's a little bit of news to cover as well, and then we'll be looking ahead to the Cambridge United game, including a chat with Jack from the Under the Abbey Stand podcast, the Cambridge United podcast, in part two. So uh, let's get into it. Before we do, um, just a reminder, our sponsors this season are the Cal United Sports Club London Branch, who do a lot of fantastic stuff for the club in terms of fundraising and also for exiles in terms of getting to away games. So they organise travel and also tickets as well for those who want to buy them in advance and stuff like that. Um you can join them wherever you live in the world. You don't have to live in uh, the South East or London. Anywhere you live in the world, you can join the London Branch. Find out more about them. Go to their website, carlislelondonbranch.org, or grab one of the guys at one of the upcoming away games. Right, Adam. Uh, news. There's only one bit of news to cover, but uh, I tell you what, the Brunton Bugle has some power, doesn't it? It's got to be said. We do. We've manifested a new first-team coach, almost. So literally, a couple of hours after the episode came out last Friday morning, United announced that, that a, a new first-team coach had been appointed. And it's a familiar face coming to Brunton Park as well, isn't it? Billy Barr is returning uh, to a coaching role. Obviously, uh, as younger fans might not remember, Billy actually played for us for about three, three or four seasons at the end of the 90s. Um, decent enough midfielder, defender, fairly solid. Scored one of the greatest own goals you'll ever see. If you haven't seen this, Adam, go and search it out. It's basically, it was a game against Brentford. We took the lead. And straight from the kickoff, Brentford did one of those long uh, kickoff routines that we used to do until this weekend. And yeah. Barr turned his back and tried to clear it left footed volley and only sliced it over Tony Cake's head into the back of the net. And it's spectacular. Though. Brilliant. Yeah, I've got to YouTube that one. But I was uh, going to say he's more of a more of a familiar face to you than he is to me. Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, Billy obviously um, 
He arrived as a coach in, well, it took over sort of a coaching role about 2001, I think, if you get a season away from us and then came back to do a bit of coaching. He had a role coaching until 2006 and then left with Simo to Preston. Left under a bit of a cloud, probably it's fair to say, with some of the comments he made. I think it didn't go down too well with some fans. There was some talk of, I would have crawled down the M6 on broken glass for this job and that didn't really go down that well. Um, yeah. But, you know, think bygones are bygones. Same thing happened with Paul Huntington. You know what, if he plays a big part in keeping us up potentially or potentially reviving us next season, then that's exactly what we need. He's had a few coaching roles since then. I think he's been at Blackburn. He's been at uh, Salford City. I think his last job was at Dundee with, um, what's his name, Gary Bowie. I think he's going to be bringing on with him for a little bit. But he's back at Brenton Park now um, until the end of the season on a short-term deal. Seems to make sense, doesn't Adam, really doing something like this rather than a long-term appointment at this point. Yeah, and it's something that you can do, like you say, short term, where it's, we said they needed just someone different who's, you know, giving them ideas and, you know, uh, putting out tactics, whatever it is, whatever uh, Billy Barr's exact role is going to be. I'd assume it's going to be more sort of on that side rather than, I think Simpson's more sort of like the motivator, the inspirer, and then Skelton and the others do the do the you know tactics board and things like that but it allows in the summer if things go well to then extend if needs be um because didn't the same thing happen with i know obviously it's not the exact same role with um uh paul gerrard yes yes he came in that season then obviously got extended for the season or last season when we went up so it's the same sort of opportunity where if he proves himself to be useful then he'll probably get kept on and if not then we can you know, at least have an idea of what we brought in and what he offered and maybe what we'd do differently next time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Simo has indicated he would like it to be a more long-term arrangement at some point. So, interesting to see whether he does uh, stay on uh, beyond the end of the season. But uh, welcome back to Billy. Obviously, his first game was at the weekend. And that was the game against Portsmouth, which brings us on quite nicely to talk about Cal United nil, Portsmouth 1. Adam, as you mentioned there when we uh, the introduction, um, a much-improved performance... Compared against the Orient game, especially, and yeah, actually, we had less chances in this one, but we looked better. We looked a bit, a bit more of a comfortable side, didn't we? And we kept what is a, a very good Portsmouth team to very limited chances. But when you give a team like that one good chance, quite often they take it, don't they? Yeah, and we don't have the quality to get back into games where we can concede. It's happened so many times this season where we concede and. You feel as a fan that we're like, well, we're going to struggle to get back into this one just because we don't have the firepower up front to really challenge. And these better teams that we play against have that quality to be able to just to ride out the game. You know, even when we went to to Wigan and were two 0 down, we had a lot of chances in that second half, but they were comfortable. You know, if they really wanted to, they could have probably stepped it up a gear. Um, Portsmouth did step it up a gear because they had to to get the win, um, and they looked very very comfortable in that second half. Yeah, they. they... I did a little, uh, like almost like a six-second review for for the Portsmouth podcast. Uh, they asked me to send them one, and I did say I said I thought it was a pretty balanced game. Neither side really had that many clear-cut chances, but the one difference was you guys stepped up in that one opportunity you had, and actually that's the sign of a team that that's really going for promotion. That they don't have the best day, but actually they can grind out a result and not actually yeah. be too worried at the back either. So, yeah, sec- and we did that half, a lot of times definitely. last season. Yeah, yeah, we did that a lot of times last season where. We'd maybe not be at our best, but you'd have that yeah. moment that just sort of got you through uh, through the game. Like when mm. was it a walks all the way when Edmondson scored that last minute header? 
Yeah. Just things like that where you just you manage to get over the line and it's just a sign of a team that's on the up, which yeah. they really didn't look like they were for a while, but they've really sorted themselves out now. I'm thinking like the I think it was the Colchester game last season, maybe Grimsby at home, those those are a couple of games that's sick in my head of where we sort of ground out results when we weren't playing particularly well, but yeah, I'm I'm not hundred percent on that one. Um yeah, so so for this one, um team news wise, uh the lineup was exactly the same, but there was a slight tweak, wasn't there? In that John Mellish appeared in midfield for this one instead. Yes, to my uh, <laughs> annoyance like is the words that I'd I'd go with. No, I think for like this is the thing against. I don't think you can put the the blame on him for this game for him being no. you know poor. It's just it's just he's not suited to it. So as a long term option, I get for games like this where you just want to have bodies in the midfield, but mm. I just think it just does. I don't really like the way it works with him sort of because he's. He has the energy to be like that demand at the top of midfield when we're in defence. But then if we get the ball back, if he's the furthest one forward, he's just not as capable on the ball. So it's just it's an yeah. odd balance for me. Um, for, for me, but it, him, it wasn't as bad as I thought it might be. Yeah, for me with John, he can do a job midfield and and get him in good areas and give him good opportunities. The thing is, we're not creating good opportunities. We're creating good opportunities. I reckon he probably would have chipped him with a few goals, but we're not. And truth is he looks better when he's playing that back ring. he's able to actually he's got the whole pitch ahead of him and he can get himself up and down basically but when he's having to do all the chasing at the top end of the pitch yeah you're right it doesn't really work as well but obviously there was no change to the start 11 in that sense um in terms of major there's not a huge amount to talk about here really this is the problem it, it was a very quiet game i'm just some stats here and we had seven shots and only one of those was on target Portsmouth had 11 shots and only one of those was on target as well. You know, they hit the woodwork a couple of times. I think we hit the woodwork as well through Armstrong. Yeah. But that, that, that's about it, really. There, there wasn't wasn't really much to take from it. And, you know, possession-wise, obviously, they're going to be on top because of the better side. But, yeah, it, it, it just it was a bit of a much of a muchness, this game, wasn't it? But it wasn't even like a massive swing in terms of possession. It's 56% no. to 44% for Carlisle. So it's not like they were completely dominant um, yeah. on the ball and that's the th- in the two games we've played against them obviously on aggregate they've taken it 2-0 but they've really been uh, annoyed by Carlos' defence which obviously shows we've maybe got a bit of a grasp on how they play and how to, to defend that mm. um, and it's those games where you wish we had a real difference maker up front or in and around that area to to snatch a goal that we can then try and hang on to, but we just we don't have. I think we've maybe got the striker to be able to finish those chances off, but I don't think we've got the capability behind him yet to create those chances. No, and the midfield's not. I mean, I say midfield. The whole team's not playing with confidence, and if you if you've got a team playing with confidence, it makes a difference, doesn't it? And at the moment, we're relying so heavily on Gibson to create everything for us. It, it's actually mm. not particularly fair on Gibson either because no, it, it, it highlights when he makes mistakes more because we're, we're constantly having to give him the ball. And it's like, well, if you had yeah. another option, you'd have a bit of a break and you'd, you'd be able to, to do a bit more. So it, it, it's kind of infuriating. Talk about the goal. The goal's really frustrating for me in the sense that I thought Ben Barkley had a fantastic game, actually. And until this point, I was saying to my mate next to me, him or... Harrison Neal was man of the match for me. Harrison Neal was excellent. And Barkley mm. was, was keeping Colby Bishop so quiet. He barely had a kick most of the game. He was doing a really good job on him. And then he wins the ball back and he just steps into their half, plays it to Robinson, and then and he just keeps on running. Like a sort of John Mellish style. And it was kind of like, 
my first thought was, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And the ball's played back to him. It wasn't a great pass back to him by Robinson, to be fair. The lad nipped him before Barkley. <laughs> and they break at that point. Dan Butterworth's got to be a bit stronger for me. I think he's a little bit weak. He gets bullied a bit too much when he could have nipped in to maybe take the ball or bring their player down. Kamara gets away, and fair play. It's a fantastic through ball to Paddy Lane. And from there, his Finn backs exposed because Ben Barkley's gone walkabout. So there was no one <coughs> excuse me, covering that right side of the defence. So big exposed hole, Lane's in, and... I've heard a few people criticise Harry Lewis for this one. He just hits it with so much power through his legs that he hasn't got a chance. And It's a well-worked goal, but it's a frustration because you look back and you think, mm, there's a big gaping gap there, isn't there? Yeah, it's some people really aren't convinced by Lewis, but I think that's I think mm. that judgment's quite harsh. I know we've conceded a lot, but there's not many that I look back on and mm. gone, oh, he really should have done better there. Um, but getting back to the goal, yeah, but, uh, why is Barkley just, like you said, charging out? Um, and it's not even like he. I could understand it more if he was going from right centre back, like and trying to sort of almost on the right wing, the right wing yeah. back. Yeah, exactly. But he's going cross the pitch, which it obviously then opens move. up that massive gap. At least if it's on the left hand side, then yeah, um, you know, back and others can then sort of shuffle across if they need to and stay yeah. sort of compact. Um, I mean, maybe you could say that they shouldn't be like they should have that awareness to fill in that gap but that, that's being very harsh i also think that i know there's a lot of talk about you know us not being very game smart in terms of taking yellow cards um yeah. when players are in on goal like when obviously moxing up uh, at Leighton orient and back at um oh not moxing Leighton orient moxing was oxford barnsley or barnsley so yes barnsley, i thought it was barnsley right. too um and then back at Leighton orient um but Robinson just, it's not like the man was past him when he, he made a very committed challenge. But I think if he stays on his feet and sort of tries to hold him up a little bit, there's just not as open a space for Kamara to go into and then make the pass to the eventual goal scorer. So I put it on him a bit as, as well, but Barkley is the one who's got to take the bulk of the responsibility for that one for me. Yeah, and it and it's frustrating, like I said, because he was actually having a really good game, and it's the one the one time he did it, and that, that's why it just felt very out of character. It's like, what what are you doing? You've sat in there and you've done your job. Well, I think he just got a bit overexcited because, to be fair, if you look actually, if you look back at it, there is a huge gaping space that he runs into, and if the ball's better, and if he actually holds, if the ball's played a bit quicker by Robinson, a bit better, maybe he has an opportunity there. But Robinson holds onto it a little bit too long. Barkley gets a bit too close to his marker and. Bang, they're up the other end. Great finish from Paddy Lane, who, who I thought was probably was their best player, actually. I was really impressed with him. He causes a, lot, a few problems during the game, mm. but there you go. They've got such quality, though. The yeah. fact that they can, like, even look at it. Because I'm not misremembering this, that Kamara came off the bench, didn't he? He didn't start the game. If I, I think I, so, uh, yeah, if I remember rightly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he did. He came on for, for Per Harris. Um, and the fact they can bring him off the bench is, is yeah. just speaks to the massive, massive chasm of quality yeah. that is between us and the teams at the top of League One. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, in terms of all the other chances, I watched the extended highlights before to, to go back and try and work out what they were, and it is very slim pickings. I mean, in terms mm. of us, you got the chance that I mentioned where Armstrong nipped in on a cross from, I think, from Vela from the right, and it was a bit of a scramble. I think he plays it. You can't really see on the, the footage, but I'm pretty sure he played it against the outside of the post. But the keeper sort of made a good save on the initial one. Um, 
Gibson had a chance from a long throw where he should have done a bit better on the volley, I think. He just snatched it a bit much. He also mm. had a shot from the edge of the box, which the keeper saved, which was the only shot on target, I think. And that's really it. Second half, I can't really think of a save or anything their keepers had to do, really. That's, and that's Neither. I suppose the frustration, for, in terms of Portsmouth, Paddy Lane had a couple of chances. They hit the post twice. One was where Lane sort of flicked back a header from a shot. They hit the post. Uh, I think Lewis had it covered, to be fair, when you look back at it. Um, and then the second one was uh, Shocknessy had a header from a free kick that hit the post and came out. And I think Moxon from the follow-up hit a volley wide. Um, yeah, <laughs> entertainment-wise, probably not the greatest game in the world, was it? I think it's fair to say. No, no. And that's been, you know, we've had a couple of end-to-end games, but often mm. if they are high-scoring, we're not the ones doing the scoring. Um, so, yeah, it's just the one chance that I look back on and think, I mean, Armstrong's one is probably the most obvious because of his yeah. proximity to the goal, but the one where Gibson hits it down the keeper's throat pretty much, I think he's in a good enough position there to hit it with the same power, but try and direct it towards the penalty spot where mm. obviously Carlo players are going to be arriving. Um rather than trying... Because he'd have to have hit that very sweetly and placed yeah. it almost perfectly to find the far yeah. corner. Uh, or you just have to try and rifle it into the roof of the net on the near side. So that's one where I look back on and think, could you have just pulled it across rather than going for the shot? The space was yeah. there for the shot in his defence, so I can understand fully why he's taking it on and he's the only attacking outlet we seem to have at times. So he's got every uh, right to take it on, but yeah. that's the one where I look back on and think, maybe you just get a... You know, even if it's not a clean contact, a deflected shot, or someone puts it behind for a corner, it's just, it was just a bit of a wasted opportunity. Yeah, I'll see. He he came off on seventy five minutes for um, uh, Gibson. It was, a, it was four players who were subbed at the same time at that point. Um, so you had Charters, Maguire, Armour, and Green came on for back. Robinson, Maguire, sorry for Neil and uh, Gibson. I was a little surprised to see both Gibson and Neil come off, to be honest with you. I, I, I could understand the two fullbacks because they weren't quite doing it, I don't think. Um, but the other two coming off, I don't know whether four at once really worked in this sense. I think sometimes you get, oh, you know, he's being bold, he's making f- four subs, but actually sometimes it doesn't work, does it? I think with Neil, people, that's the one that fans will look at and go, why are you bringing him off? Because for... I can't think of a game where he's probably not been our best player, mm. um, but because he has played a lot of games, and I know this was mentioned on the uh, the Carlos social, I can't remember which of the, the three mentioned it, um, but they were obviously record, they recorded that before the Burton um, yeah. game was supposed to be played, so they were thinking he's been taken off with 15 to go for pretty much legs purposes to try and yeah. just sort of save him a bit um, in a game where he probably wasn't going to be able to affect too much in the attack, but obviously provide a bit more surety in, in defence. Um, yeah, for a team that, I mean, I can't remember when it was, it was, well, it was probably when Diamond and Bella's first game when they came off the bench. Mm. I thought, oh, the bench looks quite strong there. But now you look at it, and even especially with the injuries, it's just getting worse and worse again. It's the striker options that's the worry, isn't it, I think? But we'll talk about that a little yeah. bit later on in the second half, the, or third half part of the show, sorry. Um yeah, in terms of other stuff, I see I mentioned there, Gibson, um, probably our best attacking threat. I think at the moment he's probably got to start most games. Well, we haven't got really much choice at the moment in terms of the options we've got yeah. anyway. Uh, Jack Diamond, um, he's taken a few kicks in his first 
uh, few games, doesn't mm. he? You know, he's been kicked around the pitch a bit. I, I, I can see those glimpses of quality with him. I really can. You can see some nice little runs he does. I'm a little bit worried that he's maybe not going to get up to speed quickly enough right now because the thing that stood out to me in the game at the weekend was that he he got bullied off the ball two or three times quite easily. And mm. I, I was saying this to a mate, look, Jordan Gibson's not the biggest winger in the world, but actually he's fairly strong on the ball. You know, he, he, you, you can't shrug him off totally easily. Whereas Diamond, like I said, two or three times, it was just a little bit too easy for, for the defender to nip in and get the ball. And I do wonder if it, if it's going to take him a little bit of a while to find his feet or not. I think Gibson's more what I'd call smart strong. Like he knows, yeah. he's not actually that strong, but he knows how to position his body to get out mm. of tight situations. And, you know, he's, he's quite good at changing directions quickly, so that helps him. I don't think he's, you know, necessarily going to go shoulder to shoulder with people and, and no. win those challenges. No. But I do get what you mean with diamonds, because especially when he's been out for so long, like to get back to that level of fitness where all those Portsmouth players have obviously been... Um, had this season where they've been really yeah. at it, but also <laughs> exactly. the season prior. Um, yeah. And Diamond's had absolutely none of that, so it's yeah. understandable for him to not be up to speed. But I think he's taking him off the bench, or bringing him on off the bench, rather, is not going to do any better than starting him. I think no. he may as well play him, try and play him into fitness rather than no, right. you know give him training to get into fitness because he's the best option other than Gibson we have in those wide areas. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I don't think Butterworth offers the same threat as we saw when he came off the bench. Disappointing again for me. I, I just, I know some people really rate him. I just don't see it with Butterworth. I'm, I'm really struggling to see how he's going to fit into our team next season, whether we're in League One or League Two. I'm just, I don't know. There's just something doesn't quite sit right for me. I can see bits of ability there, but I just don't quite, I just don't quite see the end products at times. And you know what that is? That is exactly what was it the Port Vale f- yeah. fans no, who right. had him last year said when we signed yeah. him said there'll be moments where you look at him and go bloody hell he has to start next week and then he'll come on or he'll start games you go did he actually play yeah yeah absolutely it, it, like I said like I said he got a little bit too easily bullied in in the build up to their goal I think he could have done a little bit better not saying he would have stopped it but I think he could have done better in that situation um. In terms of other stuff, I think Neil Man of the Match was an obvious one for me. I think, once again, we sort of said that before. He's looking a really good signing. I think Vela's actually looking decent signing, to be fair. I think, you know, there's, there's elements of his game I quite like. So that as a, a midfield base, those two might well work. It's trying to work out what you do with that. That third play, if you're going to play the 4 3 3, what do you do in terms of that? For me, I'd get Mellish back into defence. And I'd I'd maybe play charters there, but I mean I suppose there's an argument Butterworth can play in that position as well, but not, I wouldn't not, not in the no not no the... I I wouldn't I wouldn't that that's just an argument, but for me I'd I'd, I'd be playing charters there personally at the moment, but yeah, we're we're not uh, strong in options in that area of the pitch really, yeah. so I think charters maybe is the best uh, of the options, but. I, that doesn't necessarily fill me with confidence just because he can be a bit up and down too. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, unless you want to stick Robinson back in midfield and then put Armour back at left back, mm. it's an option. But whether you, yeah, whether you, you're gonna, you, I think that'd really hurt Taylor's confidence to yeah. have even when he's fit have a left back starting yeah. ahead of him in midfield. And, and, and to be brutally honest, Robinson's not been great over recent weeks. To be honest. no, he's, he's, no, he's, I think he's probably he probably needs a bit of a rest. 
I, I could see Armour coming back in, I think, this weekend, to be honest. But, um, but there you go. Um, just a few more things tactically-wise. Uh, first up, new, new kick-off routine. What on earth is this witchcraft? What was this about? <laughs> we actually did a kickoff where we didn't just lump it long straight away. It was, it was nice to see. Like there'd been murmurings a few days before. People saying apparently there's going to be a new kickoff routine this week weekend. And people were like, are we? Are we? And then when they did it, everyone was like, there was almost an audible gasp from the paddock. It's like, oh, he hasn't knocked it long there. Um, it worked quite well, and and we, we did hit it long in the end. But by that point, we'd managed to get settled, and I think we, I can't remember if we won the ball though, but it, it felt a lot more structured and it's little tweaks like that i think is what we're going to start to see i think over the next few weeks aren't we adam i imagine i think we're, i don't i really don't want to sound negative on this but i think we almost in the back of our heads need to be semi-planning for next season here don't we and getting ourselves in order ready for that so we can hit the ground running whatever division we're in mm. well maybe not necessarily yet in the league but we're at the point of no yeah. return in terms of tactics i mean yeah. what's the harm in trying mm-hmm. new things because it's not worked so far. There's nothing to suggest that what we were doing is gonna gonna get us results in the long yeah. term. So there had to be some sort of change. I don't think Billy Barr's had that influence quite so quickly. <laughs> this must have been planned prior to his at least official arrival. Um, but yeah, it's it's one thing that really I, I can understand the long ball from kickoff tactic yeah. in League Two because yeah. the defenders if it doesn't drop to them at head height where they can head it away they're not good enough on the ball most of them yeah. to be able to work themselves out of that situation and you can get like throwing tie up the pitch and all that sort of stuff but at league one they're just they're too good to yeah to yeah. it's like um i don't know it's like if you know a championship team came up and was trying to uh like just ball roll past all the full backs yeah. in the in the mm-hmm. Premier League like it's just they're too good for that you need to think yeah. of something different yeah no absolutely uh, in terms of just general tactics um, one thing that was noticeable as well is it, goal kicks vast majority of them were taken short and actually there was an attempt a bit more to play out from the back in this game I think and noticeable that Lewis in particular was trying to pick out passes rather than knocking it long a lot of the time and I think that's something that Simo had in mind when he brought Lewis in, didn't he? I think he thought, you know, here's a lad who's actually quite good with the ball at his feet. Let's start using that as an option. Obviously, it's taken a little bit of a while to settle in and get to the point where we can do that. But I take a bit of encouragement out of that as well. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's something that, like, sort of alludes to or links to what I said in terms of what's the harm in trying. You may as well. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the players we do have... Um, are actually a lot of the players we've brought in are actually decent on the ball. So, likes yeah. of Neil and Vela, I think they are able to receive it off the centre backs and then, you know, try and play it forward. I think we don't have a complete team to be able to do that a yeah. lot of the time. It's nice for them to, you know, try it and, um, you know, maybe work something different, but it's not something until there's a big sort of overhaul of like yeah. the, the fullbacks because fullbacks are so important for um, mm-hmm. for playing out from the back. And I don't think I trust Robinson more than Armour, but especially when Armour comes back into the team, he's, he's just long balling in Charlotte. So there's nothing really to uh, there's nothing really that gives me confidence with bringing him back into the team if this tactic is going to be kept. I I I slightly disagree. I think I think he's got the quality on the ball. I think. 
the problem is that tactic has been that for the last couple of seasons. <laughs> He's because I think under Beach he was a bit, little bit better in terms of that. What I'd say is as well, I, I, I do agree with you. I think it, it's something that's going to take a bit of time to, to evolve. And I think the problem is we have got good ball players. The problem. <sighs> There's just lack of confidence in there, and when you when you lack yeah. that confidence, the easy thing to do is just hit it long when when, when you aren't really sure what to do. And mm. and sorry, go on. But what I was gonna say, like you said, it's it's something that if they're looking to do that in the future, they may as well start trying to implement it now, yeah. even when the players yeah. aren't at confidence, at least so they're used to that sort of system. And I know Lumsden, uh, Chris Lumsden, has spoken a lot about. You know, you just need to have that belief in yourself to, especially like the midfielders and things like that, to receive it off the defenders yeah. and not, you know, or the defenders to actually pass it into the midfield and take that yeah. risk, if you want to call it a risk, um, rather than just going long and taking sort of the easy route out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I do wonder if that might influence why he's brought Sean Green off the bench for the last couple of games, because... He came on with 15 minutes to go in this one. Um, slotted in at centre-back was Ben Barkley, moved over to replace Finn back at right-back. I, I quite like the look of the lad. He's, you know, it's hard to do. And he did overhit, I think, one free kick at the very end, which is a bit wasteful. But other than that, I think he looks quite tidy in the boy. He looks decent with both feet. I, I think he's an interesting addition. I do wonder if that's one with next season in mind as well. If, if he does quite well on this loan, could we potentially get back, him back on loan again next season? Possibly. I just wonder if that's the, the, the thinking process. Yeah, when when I did my uh, when I did a video on the Neil and Green signings, mm. one of the uh, things that I took from uh, Gabriel Sutton, who'd spoken to someone from, I think it was maybe someone from Palace's academy or someone who yeah. knew Green well, and one of the things that they said is that he is confident on that he can find passes and um, spray the ball about a bit, maybe more than your traditional. Um, yeah lower league EFL centre back so it doesn't surprise me that he's got that ability um, especially you know coming from a Premier League club academy that's going to be sort of bred into them from when they start playing for them so yeah. it's a it's another option in terms of type of centre back because we don't really have anyone who you can look at and go I maybe would have said Barkley but he's less so but apart from him we definitely don't have anybody else who's really like a sort of foot on the ball yeah has the ability and confidence to try and find a difficult yeah. pass. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think that's pretty much covered it for the Portsmouth game. I don't have much else to say. Like I said, it wasn't the most eventful of matches. It's frustrating, but you've got to take the positives out of it. And I suppose, the, like I said, the big negative before is the fact that the Burton game wasn't on the Tuesday and a chance yeah. to bounce back from it. I think one thing to touch on is the mm-hmm. reception that Moxon got oh, yes. Uh, yes, when he course. came on. Uh, which was, I think, if anything, a relief, and probably yeah. quite a relief for him too, especially with, with the way that Carl yeah. um, Dempsey was uh, was treated when he came back. Yeah. So um, I know there's personality issues that people don't like with Carl Dempsey, but which for obvious reasons. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's probably. I know if I was Owen Mox, I'd be thinking, oh, for God's sake, like don't boo me. Yeah. Like, there's no need for you to do it. And thankfully, I think there was maybe a couple, but yeah. nothing more than the majority of people who were applauding him when he came on. No, absolutely. That you, you bang on right there. It was, it was really nice to see him get a good reception. And to be honest, we're probably not going to see him for a while now, are we? So we might, might no, as well do no. It's going to be a while before. But we didn't we get a on. pantomime boo. When he's no, first uh, first touched on the ball, which this, would have been which would have been fun. I think that would have if so, if somebody had a camera and that had happened and just put that on like zoomed in on his face funny. as soon as he touched the ball. I think he'd have probably been uh, giggling to himself. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned there, the Burton game on Tuesday night was called off. Uh, I drove down from Liverpool to, to Burton oh, did for you? that one. I arrived into the car park at half past six, and we literally pulled, we're pulling into the car park, ready to give the guy a fiver to park up, and he's like, are you from Carlisle? I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, do you want to just park up in that little side bit there? They're just doing the pitch inspection now. I was like, because oh, know, I'd known because Lewis, who I drove down with, um, he was, while I was driving, he was checking on John Coleman's uh, live blog and stuff and seeing that there'd been an initial inspection. There was going to be a further one. So literally, we, we got into the car park. We sat in the car for about two or three minutes on the little side bit. And then he come, we, we got the message through on Twitter that it was off. And the guy came and was like, yeah, it's off. It's like, yeah, no worries. And we literally drove out the car back and drove back. So as, uh, as Lewis pointed out to me, a four-hour trip, uh, four-hour lift home he got across Liverpool. So <laughs> there you go. Um, really frustrating. But I mean, it, not much you can do in that sense. It, it, I suppose well, it's a little bit frustrating when you look and you think the fact they've had two games called off in the space of a week for the same reason there. But Yeah, yeah well, I'd... I'd... I'd push back on the nothing you can do about it. I know Simpson said after mm-hmm. the game, which I'd forgotten about, that their pitchers got sort of had some sort of infection yeah. or something that means they've had to basically compact it so there's nowhere for the water to go once it gets yeah. onto the pitch. There's not really anywhere for it to drain out. Um, but the club were obviously aware of that and mm. they would have seen the forecast and the amount of water that was falling and there's no way sort of, uh, I don't know, maybe five o'clock or something like that that they wouldn't have been able to see, one, that there was a problem with some water on the pitch, at least some, because obviously we mm. saw the video that came out of the side of the pitch when, uh, when the game was called off. Absolutely unplayable. unplayable. It's, it's, I think rugby players may consider that unplayable, that, I that mean, bad. It, it reminded me of the Grimsby one last season, and that actually, to be fair, that didn't look too bad before the game compared against that, and we saw how bad it was, didn't we? So yeah, It's just whether the EFL, for the fans' sake, should look at that and go, right, it's better to be cautious about this mm. than get... Especially when it's like, you know, if it's, uh, I don't know, if it's Salford playing Stockport, it's not that Different, much of a yeah, big yeah. deal. But, you know, for especially when it involves teams like Carlisle, I know obviously some teams push back and go, or any if any fans of other teams look uh, listening to this and going, oh, it's just because you're Carlisle fans, it affects you. Well, yes, it does affect us, and it yeah. affects us every time. We're having to travel hours on end, no matter mm. where we go. Um, obviously, it wasn't quite as bad for you in terms of journey time, but no. for the people who've come <laughs> from Carlisle, uh, even from, like, South Cumbria, it's yeah. still a trek. So yeah. I just think the EFL should not mandate, but should sort of push clubs towards being cautious with that sort of thing. Yeah, it's... It, it, it's a really difficult balance for them, I know, because they'll say, well, we've paid for caterers to come down, and if we do it and then, like, that rainstorm doesn't come, we look a bit stupid because the pitch is perfectly fine. You can yeah. play it. It's a, it's a very, very difficult balance. What I'd say is it it highlights the the good planning in terms of getting a very decent pitch fitted to your ground because we paid, I think it was a quarter of a million pounds or like that to get a new pitch, a completely brand new pitch done in 2006 after we won that title season with the Simpson. The pitch was a disgrace that season. It was like a, a, a you know, a, a potato field. It was awful. We had a few games called off then. We had the new pitch fitted that summer and obviously we have to renew it every two or three years, I think it is, in terms of, you know, just taking the top part of it off. It's won so many awards and interesting fact for you here, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. Someone might correct me. But outside of the floods, which, you know, six foot of water, that's not a warlock pitch in the sense of anything you see yeah. normally. That's just well, the, the streets around you are knackered at that point, aren't they? 
In terms of waterlogged pitches, do you know the last time we had a game called off for that? Um, I'm presuming it was before I was born, or maybe close to around then, mm. so a long, then, long so time ago. 2006, game against Lincoln that season, the season we won the title. It was played on a Tuesday night in the end of that game, and it was supposed to play on a weekend, and that was called off because of a waterlogged pitch. That is the last time we had a fixture, Brunton Park, called off for a waterlogged pitch that didn't involve, obviously, flooding. Um which is remarkable, and that, that that shows you, you know, if you actually invest in for a such a pitch, rainy city too. Yeah, and the thing is, yeah, what, what we, and it's right next to a river it's as well. Cool. You forget that there's there's a water yeah. table there, but if you improve the drainage enough, you can sort these problems out. I'm pretty sure you can, but but hey, it, it, it's frustrating, but it is what it is. Um, we'll be back down, I'm sure, for the for the game later in the season when it's rearranged. I will. Um, it's. I'd imagine the crowd down there is going to be a little bit smaller than it was originally because there'll be a few people like, I'm not doing that again. Not a chance. I'm pretty but. sure they, they've got the lowest average attendance anyway for home fans yeah. in the league or very close to it. Yeah, absolutely. Right, uh, before we go into part two, then let's do a quick rundown of the league one results from the weekend and midweek. At the weekend, uh, Barnsley, they beat Leighton Orient 2 1 at home. They're doing quite well, Barnsley, at the moment, I think. It's right up there. Um, Blackpool got a 1-1 draw against uh, fellow promotion hopefuls Oxford United. Bristol Rovers suffered a bit of a surprise 2-1 home defeat against Burton. They'd picked up some form. Uh, a surprise one for our opponents this weekend. Cambridge United, they lost 1-0 at home against Cheltenham. Cheltenham are flying, aren't they? As we'll find in the midweek. They're doing much better. Well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they stay up, Daryl Clark, he should be up there for manager of the season for the job he's done. It's quite incredible. Obviously, we lost at home uh, 1-0 against Pompey. Derby drew 1-1 at home against Shrewsby. A bit of a disappointing result for them, that. Uh, mm. They're really pushing, aren't they? So they've, they've had a few sort of iffy results at times this season, haven't they? Um, Lincoln, they beat Fleetwood 2-1. Northampton drew 1-1 with Bolton. Port Vale 2-2 against Stevenage. Reading got a 2-0 win against Charlton. A lot of these results going against us, aren't they? It's a bit frustrating. Uh, Exeter won 2-1 yeah. at Wigan. And Wickham, they got a 5-2 win against Peterborough at home. So some surprise results last weekend. Uh, in the midweek fixtures, obviously our game at Burton was called off and so was Peterborough's home game against Port Vale. Bolton got a 2-1 win against Wickham. Charlton drew 1-1 with Lincoln City. Cheltenham once again won against a promotion contender in Blackpool. Exeter got beat 3 0 at home against Derby. Fleetwood drew 1 1 with Reading. Uh, late Norwich 4, Northampton 3. This was a crazy, crazy game. I looked at things. A lot of goals late on in that. Uh, Oxford United beat Wigan 4 2 at home. Portsmouth got a 3 1 win against our opponents this weekend, Cambridge. Uh, Shrewsbury drew 1 1 at home with Barnsley. And Stevenage were beaten 3 2 at home by Bristol Rovers. Anything to stand out for you there, Adam? Um, Not really in terms of results as mm. such the one thing that I, uh, I saw from those games is after the mm-hmm. Bristol Rovers Stevenage game um, when the uh, is it it's is it, is even Matty Taylor or Matt Taylor their manager Matt, uh, Matt Taylor I think yeah yeah Matt Taylor went over to the uh, travelling fans and basically after the game they all thought he was going to do like one of those away away like you know Steve what Steve Evans tries to yeah. do he sort of rolls into it <laughs> yeah. with his poorly nature um, but he went over to the fans and basically said not not gave them a you know a bit of his mind but he's basically like you need to get behind the lads here because they're really struggling and without use we're gonna we're not gonna be able to do anything there's a lot of pressure on them yeah so get behind them which seemed to go down well I think they'd had two 
bad results. Who was it they lost to at the weekend? Uh, uh, Burton at the results. Yeah, they lost to Burton. I think, and they lost to Fleetwood the game before that. Yes. So yeah. I think some Bristol Rovers fans were like, well, "It's probably not great timing to be like get behind the players when we're you know mm. they've put in two performances like that." But it was interesting because you don't often see that uh, manager directly sort of no. communicating with fans, especially after games. No. No, I think the only other interesting result of the EFL this weekend, uh, although the midweek, was uh, Mansfield beating Harrogate 9-2. Oh, yeah. And Harrogate on a really good run of form. They were just outside, the, I think, either just inside or just outside the playoffs. So, a bit of a crazy one, that one, to say the least. They'll right. still find a way to miss the playoffs, Mansfield. <laughs> so, uh, one way or the other. Whether yeah. they get automatically promoted or whether they miss the playoffs, they are yeah. not getting into the playoffs. No, absolutely not, absolutely not. Right, uh, we're going to take a short break now and then we'll be back uh, to preview the Cambridge game, starting off, of course, in part two with our chat with Jack from the behind the, uh, sorry, under the Abbey stand uh, Cambridge United podcast ahead uh, of the big game. Hi, I'm John Halpin and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. Yes, we're into part two of this week's Brunton Bugle and as usual that means Behind Enemy Lines where we speak to a fan from an opposition podcast ahead of the big game at the weekend. This week we've got Jack from the Under the Abbey stand Cambridge United podcast. Jack, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. Right, before we get started up, uh, first up, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your pod? Because you have a little bit of a closer connection to Carlisle than most of the, uh, the other people we get on here. Yeah, I'm afraid I do. Um, born and raised in Carlisle, first 20 years of my life. Uh, went to school in Brampton. Uh, played at Brunton Park in under-16s for Warwick Wanderers uh, and attended many a game um, at Brunton Park when I, was a, when I was a youngster. But converted Cambridge United fan for my sins and have been doing, the, been doing the podcast five years, you know, follow the moment away now. So, yeah, it's, um, it's good fun. And, uh, yeah, I'm uh, always got a place for Carlisle in my heart, but very much a Cambridge fan. Yeah, so you will be very much in the away in this this weekend, I guess. Um, right, let's uh, start talking about Cambridge United now. Then uh, this season, you guys—I mean, we didn't have particularly big expectations on our part. I think we had you guys struggling on our in our preseason predictions, but you actually started the season fairly well. Your first six games—I know it's hard to judge after six games. You were in sixth place, weren't you? Um, and then it really dropped off a cliff. You fall, didn't it? What what went wrong at that point? It's funny, isn't it? I mean, everyone had us kind of pinned fairly far down the table. And I think our expectations were, you know, it was the same the season before and we stayed up by the skin of our teeth. And I think we thought similar this season. And then, like you say, a great start. And I think we kind of were cautious about it because, you know, we all saw what happened uh, last season and stayed up on the final day. But um, yeah, we just, you know, a couple of injuries really, but, you know, the bottom just fell out of it really. And we really lost uh, lost a bit of composure and a bit of confidence. And you know what it's like when you go on these runs, it's really hard to uh, to kind of, you know, steady the ship really. And we just couldn't find goals. We couldn't find a winning formula. There was always conversations about Mark Bonner going and eventually he did, uh, which was a big shock and, and sad for a lot of United fans because he'd been there a long time and brought us a lot of success. Um, so yeah, we've we've struggled to kind of you know get much firepower really. You know we've had quite prolific strikers in past seasons in the shape of Sam Smith, Joe Ironside, Paul Mullin, and we're lacking that this season, and that's showing. Um, you know we we spoke earlier, and our defence is actually one of the better ones in the in the bottom half, but it's been uh, been goals scored that we've struggled for so far this season, and it shows where you know where we are in the league. 
you mentioned Mark Bonner there, obviously lost his job, as you mentioned. That must have been really a huge disappointment for the Cambridge fan base because, you know, he's a local lad, done good, you know, come up from coaching in your academy to, to be the first team manager and get you promoted. But I suppose it's one of these things that at some point, it's kind of inevitable these things happen, isn't it? I'm afraid so. I mean, you know, an incredible servant to the club and he'll always be really fondly remembered, loved and welcomed to the club. And hopefully, I hope, you know, one day he'll return to the club in some capacity. But, you know, the club stuck by him last season. Um, you know, we stayed up and, you know, he got he got the best out of the players in the past in the last few games. We had a really good run at the end of the season, which kept us up. But there were questions about his management and how far he could take the team. You know, it was his first and only job. Where, and, you know, when you're in a league like this, it's, you know, you start to think maybe a bit of experience is what is needed to kind of, you know, solidify your position in a league like this. And maybe he was just starting to uh, to kind of lose grip uh, on the dressing room and, and didn't have quite enough experience to, to, to manage a league one side consistently. Uh, and yeah, the results showed and sadly he went. I think it was a bit of a surprise to him, the kind of the abrupt manner that it happened because it was all, mm. you know, it all happened quite quickly. We had a 5-0 derby defeat. And if you lose to your bitter, your bitter rivals 5-0, you know, in, in any kind of capacity, yeah. that's really going to kind of um, bring the doubters forward. So he was replaced with Neil Harris, uh, ex Gillingham, Millwall and Cardiff manager. What was your thoughts on his appointment? How has he done so far? Um, I think generally, I mean, my thoughts was I was pretty happy. It's a name, it's a man with experience, you know, proven experience mm. at this level and higher. Um, and yeah, just somebody who knows the game very well, seems to be like a pretty shrewd manager. Um, and he speaks very well. You know, we, we, were, we were lucky enough to have him on the pod and he, you know, he spoke very candidly about his kind of, you know, he's gone through life. He's, he's experienced some, some hardships mm. and, you know, he's kind of used them to, to, to help him move forward. He's picked up a difficult job and I think it started okay, but, you know, there's been some questionable results recently. And, and I think there's, you know, when we're teetering above the relegation zone, you know, we're four points above it. And I know, you know, it must look like a lot from your point of view, and that's not meaning any disrespect, but, you know, we are very worried about the the, the, concept, the prospect of being drawn into the relegation zone. And we had a really difficult loss against Cheltenham um, at home on Saturday, and that that that's a lot to take because we lost away to them as well. And when we lost away, they hadn't scored all season and had only picked up a point. So I feel like we've kind of dragged Cheltenham back into the the survival fight and, and brought ourselves into it with those two games. So I think there's a lot of kind of nervous energy floating around at the moment to do with Cambridge United, and uh, this Saturday's game is, is a huge one for us. Well, we lost at home to Cambridge, uh, to uh, Cheltenham as well. So, uh, I was going to say there's no shame in that. There probably is, to be fair. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, um, are you confident that you guys can avoid the drop? Then, obviously, I mean, you've got games in hand. You don't concede many goals. Are, are you like? I mean, because I, I think most Carlisle fans would bite your hands off to swap places with you right now. But I suppose when you're dropping, it doesn't quite feel the same, does it? No, absolutely. And I'm I'm concerned, as I think uh, quite a lot of the fan base. You know, we've. We we didn't beat Burton Albion at home and we, we had they were down to ten men, you know, we've we've suffered mm. some difficult losses. You know, we started the year with a loss at home to Leighton Orient. Uh, and the games in hand we've got aren't particularly, you know, aren't particularly nice ones. We've got Bolton, Peterborough and Stevenage to come after you. 
in uh, in February. And I, there's a lot of fans, myself maybe included, that don't see us getting many, if any, points from those games. And suddenly we're right in the battle. And I think we yeah. felt like we had a really good kind of platform that we were able to build on. And we've not quite been up to push on. And we were looking over our shoulders. And I think we went into the Cheltenham game on Saturday actually quite confident of getting a result and pulling ourselves clear of it. And suddenly now we've got a huge trip this Saturday coming to you. And, you know, we need a victory. We need all three points now. So I think we've really kind of made a rod for our own back and it's going to be a tricky end to the season. I, I imagine we'll still be in the mix uh, for relegation come April. Yeah, I mean, it should be an interesting game this weekend because I think both sides really do need a win. So, so yeah. Um, talk about transfers briefly then. Uh, got to start off asking about J.K. Gordon. Obviously, he was on loan with you at the first half of the season. Second half of the season, he was on loan with us last year. Um, what went wrong there? Did it just not quite work out? Did he just not quite step up really to the level? Yeah, we didn't see much of him. And yeah, when we did, he really wasn't quite up to it. Um, Just never, you know, he showed flashes of kind of, you know, desire and pace Mm. and a little bit of guile. But just, it wasn't even a system problem, really. We just couldn't get anything out of him. And, you know, it it was a a kind of no-brainer to get rid, really. And it's a shame, but it just doesn't always work out with those types of moves. And and it just, he just never got going for us and never got a run in the team, never really kind of made a telling contribution. So there's not much to say on him, really. Wish him well, but yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I won't remember remember him uh, in a couple of years, I think. Yeah, I think we've we've had a few of those down the years. I think I think Wimbledon's probably a better move for him, quite local yeah. to where his base is, isn't it? So there you go. Uh, in terms of your January transfer business, what what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, happy. It's, I had a look before, and it's fairly quiet. Um, and if I'm being brutally honest, uh, Lyle Taylor maybe, but in the past, but other than that, not particularly inspiring signings, are they? Um, well, I'm happy. We're really happy with Lyle Taylor. You know, he's got a few, yeah. couple of goals already, um, and Macaulay Bond coming in alongside Lyle Taylor is good because they play together. So there's a bit of chemistry ah, there. Right, okay, um, so I think we're quite happy with that as a kind of pair. Um, Macaulay Bond had a bit of a nightmare home debut at the weekend. He had a couple of chances that he could have put away and really endeared himself to the fans. But he's all, he's set it up for uh, getting a day, uh, getting his first goal on Saturday, hopefully. But yeah, yeah. Um, Gibbons is coming in for cover for Liam Bennett at right back. Um, he played on uh, Tuesday night and I think was all right. Again, like you say, a little bit quiet. I think it's a little bit underwhelming given the position we're in and the injuries we've got. But forwards is what we really needed and forwards what we've got. Maybe could have done with another midfielder to kind of offer another, uh, you know, another kind of option in, in, you know, formation and how we set up. But we didn't get that. So, yeah, we've got what we've got. And, uh, yeah, cautiously optimistic. We can keep Taylor and uh, Bond fit and get them playing. Even if they're not actually playing, you know, lining up at the start together, you know, bring yeah. one on or whatever, you know, it's good to have those options. So I think we're we're happy with that and you know, the proof's in the pudding. We need a victory this weekend and hopefully one of them will be the players that can inspire us to that. So who are the danger men we need to watch out for this weekend's game? It's an interesting one. When you're, you're having in a kind of indifferent season and especially when you can't get a run together, mm. um, picking out players... It's just a real thankless task. Like we've had some great performances from Sully Kai Kai and Elias Kachunga, two players kind of playing behind the striker there. James Brophy is a player who just never yeah. stops working, and uh, the kind of the, the proof of James Brophy being a good player, I think, is that so many opposition opposition managers mention him. He just puts in a shift, and the only thing that's missing from his game is assists and goals. But he does he just puts such a shift in and does a job. So I think you know if he's starting out on the left, he'll be causing your defence some problems. Our our 
talking point amongst fans at the moment is is uh, the kind of the two who play in front of the defence and who should go there, who's best suited to go there, and uh, who are the best players in that, and it's causing a lot of conversation. So, uh, unsure who'll start in the middle for us uh, against you, but there's some good options in there, and um, yeah, we, we've got a solid team, but like yourselves, mm. we're on a pretty meagre budget, and uh, you know we, we're a small squad, so there won't be too much tinkering, I don't think, from Neil Harris. No. Uh, Jack, I've been very generous for your time. I will get a prediction from you now for this weekend's game. I'm kind of manifesting it like we need this win. Uh, so mm-hmm. whether what, what I think and what I'm going to predict are maybe two different things. But I think a, a tight game between us and I think there'll be goals. So I think 2-1 Cambridge. Jack, thanks very much for your time. And before you go, can you just remind everyone where we can find your pod? Yeah, uh, at Abby's, uh, uh, at Abby Stand Pod. Um, all on all the socials, and we're on uh, Shutterstack as well. So any of them, you can you can get the pod and Spotify, etc. Yeah, Jack, thanks very much for your time, and all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend's game, of course, because we do need you the, <laughs> just like you, we need the win. Uh, right, that's it for part two. We'll be back in just a sec with part three, where myself and Adam will be looking ahead to this weekend's game. Hi, it's uh, Tom Pyatic the second, and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. Yes, we're back after part two and we're into part three of this week's Brunton Bugle. Thanks once again to Jack from the Under the Abbey Stand Cambridge United podcast. Uh, if you, I had a little chat for his pod as well, so if you want to dig that out ahead of the weekend, it's always good to listen to the opposition pods just to get an idea of what they're talking about. Obviously. And Jack himself is originally from Carlisle Group and went to school in Brampton, so um, he's got a little bit of a soft spot for us, but he's a converted Cambridge fan these days, so very much... William Howard, was he? he is. I assume. I guess so, yeah. I guess so, yeah. Um, right, let's look ahead to this game then, Adam. Um, as Jack actually said in the chat there, it's a must win for both teams, really, isn't it? Because Cambridge are really in danger of dropping into the battle to avoid relegation for the second season in a row. And for us, it's a game I think we just looked at straight away when we were targeting the fixtures at the turn of the year that we've really got a target for three points, haven't we? Yeah, this is one of the games you sort of circle, but I think with this fixture, I mean, every Carl game at this point is a must-win. That's mm. fully established. But on the opposite side, I think every game or every team that plays Carlisle from this point forward is in a can't-lose situation. Because if you lose to us, then something's really gone wrong. Uh, yeah. Especially if you're <laughs> down by if you're down by us, it, maybe if you're one of the higher teams, it's just like just a really bad day. Then that can sort of be excused, yeah. but even still, it's a worrying sign. Um, so, Cambridge find themselves in both a must win and can't lose. Yeah, take that what you will, or make it. That yeah, way. yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's for Cambridge very much being down there in the bottom. This is one they must be looking. At. I think we have to win this. If they don't win it, I mean, we, it doesn't really bring us any closer to them, but it does drag them back into the the battle with the teams who are just inside the relegation zone. Um, yeah, in, in terms of their season, they actually got off to quite a good start. They were sixth place after six games, but their form really dropped off a cliff. As we've mentioned there, they've, re- they've sort of flirted with the relegations there without dropping into it all season. Um, and goals is really the problem, isn't it? They've only scored 26, which I think is the same number that we have. But actually, their defence is quite good when you look at it. For, for the relative position in the bottom half no one has uh, conceded less than Cambridge 38 uh, across the games in comparison 51 goals we've conceded now a huge chunk of those have come since November as we know 
because that's when our mm. sort of defence just fell apart, really, um, and midfield as well. Um, what sort of game are you expecting from them this weekend? A bore fest. You think? I'm expecting nothing more than... I, I say that, but, you know, we've had, obviously, the game against Reading with six goals, and, you know, I mean, Reading have got some attacking firepower, um, but I'd be amazed if there's more than two goals in this game. Um They've had a lot of turnover of, of forwards. Obviously, they've brought in uh, in the January window Lyle Taylor and Macaulay Bon, but they've had the likes of obviously J.K. Gordon go back to Crystal Palace, who's now he's at um, oh where's he gone to in League Two? I can't remember. Uh, oh, Wimbledon. Gordon gone. Wimbledon. That's what. Yeah. Um, and obviously they lost Sam Smith to Reading in the summer. Um, Joe Ironside's gone to Doncaster, all those sorts mm. of things. So they've had quite a lot of turnover up front, which could sort of explain their, their problems yeah. in the box. Um, but in the reverse fixture, it was the same, really. It was two teams who really yeah. couldn't score and you know were okay defensively. And then it was just sort of... One, one mistake. Yeah, one <laughs> mistake, and that was the game done. Yeah, the key, the key thing this weekend is just... No mistakes. We can't even afford one mistake now. We're at that point where, as we saw against Porto, if we don't make that mistake, a nil-nil draw, you go, you know what, that's a good result. We kept a clean sheet. I'm happy with that. As it is, we we switched off and, yeah, it, it cost us in that one moment. Um, in terms of their transfers in January, they've not been particularly busy, but Lyle Taylor's a very interesting addition, isn't he? He's someone in the mm. past who's been a lot that's been thought of. He, he's maybe lost his way a little bit, but he seems to have made a bit of an impact already, doesn't he? Well, he's got the quality. He was obviously with um, uh, Nottingham Forest. Mm. Um, at some, I don't know if he... Because he joins as a free agent, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, from, from right Cambridge United. He'd been, sorry, not from Cambridge, from um, Wickham. He'd, he'd, he'd not yeah. really done anything from Wickham. Seven appearances in the league and no goals in, in that time. In comparison, he's he's been at uh, Cambridge for... What a, a month, and he's made six appearances and scored three goals, which which would make him our second top scorer <laughs> if he was with us. So, <laughs> which is damning to yeah. say the least. Um, but I, I don't think that I'd be amazed if they end up in a, a relegation battle. But I would have said that about Charlton. So <laughs> this league is probably a really like. Obviously, we don't have as much of an idea of how good or bad the League One has been over the last few years but I think this is probably one of the lowest points in terms of quality just overall in the league yeah like the fact that the likes of Leighton Orient Stevenage and uh, Northampton are all top half uh, table team Stevenage I know obviously they were recruited well but they're Mm. on the verge of the playoffs and yeah yeah it it, it, you're right it is it is a bit damning at times Um, and we're at the bottom of it yeah we are we are um in terms of other additions, Macaulay Bond is an interesting one, isn't he? I think. I think did they did he play together with um, Taylor at some point in his career? If I remember rightly, it seems to ring a bell. I, I, I would not know to be honest with you. I'm, I'm just sort of checking. I, I thought he might play there. No, I'm not sure they actually did play together. I, might, I may be wrong on that one. But but um, yeah, other than that, they've not really made any additions. But they've not really lost anything in January either. This the squad's been quite. It, it's basically just stayed as it is, isn't it? And. Yeah, there's 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 benefits and downsides to that, isn't there? Yeah, but they were doing they were doing well enough prior to the um, like prior to the January transfer window mm. to justify them not having like a really high turnover 
you could look at their squad and say we're probably obviously you'd want to add players because there's going to be teams probably below yeah. and around us that are going to improve. But it was at a level where you wouldn't be really worried if mm-hmm. you you know only brought in a couple of players and kept most of what you already had, which is mm-hmm. what they've done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I just had a quick look there. Macaulay Bond, um, yeah, they played together at Charlton for a bit. Um, so, uh, yeah, interesting one, that one. Obviously, Bond's come on loan from Gillingham. You know, it's just bringing a player from the division below sometimes can be a bit funny, but... but There's been a lot of loans up the leagues um, this uh, this year. Yeah. Which is which is odd, because obviously a lot of the loans usually come, come down. Um, but I feel like there's been quite a few loans going from League 2 to League 1, League 1 to Championship, that sort of mm. thing, so... Uh, it's been a bit of a it was a bit of an odd window for that sort of thing. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? Um in terms of the rest of their squad, who who are the standout players for you for them? Uh oh, put me on the spot here. We are They've got six goalkeepers, haven't they? I've just noticed that. There's a lot of goalkeepers, I, yeah. I think I think some of them are young lads possibly, you know, who've come in short term deals and things like that. Um I mean to be honest, there's not unlike most of the teams we play in League One, there's not really at least to me, too many names that ja- really James jump Brophy off the page. James Brophy maybe is the only one I can think of, really, in that sense. He's, he's always been yeah. quite a good, tidy player. And I suppose at the back, I think it's at the back, isn't it, where, you know, it's like Harrison Duncan, Michael Rob- Morrison, you know, Ryan Bennett, you know. Dunk's been there for years, but the, the other two, you know, they've played at the highest level, haven't they? With I think we're mm. both with Norwich in the Premier League, if I remember rightly. I might be wrong about uh, that. You might be right, yeah. Yeah. I seem to remember, but yeah, so the, the, you can tell why they're so good at the back, can't you? Because of because of experienced players like that. Mm. I mean, we've got one of them in Paul Huntington, but he just seems to never get a game for yeah. whatever reason, which I'm sure we'll probably get onto. Um, but yeah, as I said, there's not really. Sometimes it's not a bad thing though to have players who don't necessarily jump off the page, especially with the position they're in, where they're not like they're not down there with us. So there's obviously mm. a, a good unit there, even though there's not too many players that are really stand out in terms of you know quality names. Yeah, I've just checked there. Michael Morrison's never played in the Premier League. He's he's played at Leicester City, Sheffield Wednesday, Charlton, Birmingham, Reading, and Portsmouth. But mm. you know he's consistently played at like still some level. top. Yeah, still some top championship. Exactly, yeah, a lot a lot of games at that. And he's a Cambridge lad. He started out there and he's gone back there. Basically, that's that's the main reason why. So uh, so yeah, no, I mean. Like I said, in terms of attack, they've got a lot of players there, but the quality's maybe lacking a little bit. I think Sully Kai Kai is someone who's been a good player in the past, but maybe not quite done it in terms of uh, performances consistently enough. Um, and like I said, Lyle Taylor's the obvious one, isn't he? Really? He's the one who stands out yeah. as, as the big threat. If we, he's the one we've got to keep quiet. And if Barkley can have a similar game as he did against Colby Bishop, but not make that mistake yeah, of stepping just, out less of Less marauding, please, Ben. Yes, yes just, just, just stay back, Ben. You've done a great job back there last last week until that point. So let's, let's just stick with that. Um, right, let's look at some of the other stats and stuff um, in terms of... Uh, Overall form, they're actually sitting 17 for the last six games form table, record of one drawn, drawn, one, and then two defeats in a row. Don't need you to tell where United are. We're bottom six defeats in a row. <laughs> just simple as Lots that. of L's. Yes, lots of L's, just like the normal table, but there you go. Um, in terms of like the, those last six results, I mean, the, the defeat against Cheltenham is the big one that stands out, isn't it? I mean, you'd expect them to lose at Portsmouth for midweek. Um, 
but I mean, outside of that, they've, they've had some okay results, I think, you know, and not con- except just not conceding too many goals. Yeah. That's the thing. Being Shrewsbury's not a bad result because even though they were not very good when yeah. we played them, they're obviously they're a hard team to, to get by. Um, that's probably partly because who are they um, playing? I feel like they're playing someone at right back that they really shouldn't be playing at right back. Maybe um, uh, Gibbons, maybe I think he's filling in there at the moment. I think. Well, well, didn't Feeney play at right back when we played? Oh, sorry, sorry, like Shrewsbury. Yeah, Shrewsbury, yes, yeah. Feeney. Feeney's playing at right back. Yes, you're right. Sorry, um, so that probably helps the defensive solidity. So that's a good result for them. Um, and yeah, like, what? How many of the conceded in those games? Obviously, three against Portsmouth. But apart from mm-hmm. that, nil one, nil nil one. So, yeah, yeah. a team like us who struggles to score. Is going to struggle to score even more in this game, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, it, 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 I can't see it being a big goal-scoring game. I'm looking forward to hearing the predictions and seeing what the, the guys have got to, to say about it in mind. Um, referee for this one, Scott Jackson from Somerset. It is first season as an EFL referee. He's actually a chief petty officer in the Royal Navy. I found that when I was Googling him earlier today. Uh, this season, he's taken charge of 21 games so far, handing out 89 yellows and one red card. Last season in the National League, he handed out 47 yellows and two red cards in 16 games. He's only taken charge of one United game before. I know we don't normally talk about these games, but it was a 1-0 defeat in the trophy this season against Accrington Stanley because that's the game where Josh Coyote did his shoulder and the referee didn't even give a foul to us, did he? So, yeah, yeah. it was the... Uh, Very frustrating, that. The beginning of the end. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Um, it's going to be the 36th meeting between the two sides. Uh, Cambridge just slightly ahead with 11 wins to United's 10 with 14 games being draws. We've actually lost our last three games in a row against the U's. <laughs> we haven't got a great record in those ones. Prior to that, though, we were unbeaten in six games in a row. So, yeah, it's a bit of a sort of... It seems to be the case with these, doesn't it? We, we're having a very good run and we've had a bad run before that. Or we've on a bad run and we've actually had a good run before that. It's just, you know, swings and roundabouts, that kind of thing. But there you go. Um, let's talk about United then for this one, Adam. Um, so, injury-wise, you mentioned in the sort of build-up, there's a bit of news on that, so... JJ Coyote's still a little bit off. He still can't shake that discomfort in his calf when he gets back on the grass, can he? And it sounds like he's really getting quite down about it because, you know, Simo said that, you know, he's saying that he feels like he's letting people down, but you can't take a risk with someone like that because if he, if he reacts and he's done for the season anyway, what, what's the point? Yeah, you yeah. may as well try and sort of nurse him back to health as yeah. slowly as possible. But, yeah, I can, I can only imagine how frustrating that must be yeah. just for... Obviously, you know it's it's a it's you know it's their job, it's the the livelihood, yeah. and you're not getting to do it. And obviously, he was injured a lot last season too, yeah. so and it, it's not I like it's it, just a freak one. Yeah, I think it's different when it's just like when it's like a bad knee injury. You just accept that, right? That's happened. I've got this clear pathway now, and I know how long it's going to take. When it's something like a calf, because you're waiting just for it to be healed enough that you're not going to do it again. I feel like that's even more frustrating the fact that it's been a, like a calf game and a shoulder as well. The shoulder's a standard one. You know exactly what happens with that in terms of you know mm. the recovery. So I just can't imagine how well, tough he's finding it. I, I, I'm pretty sure, obviously I don't know exactly how accurate uh, this was, but I heard yeah. how he'd done it and I was just like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. It's just such an innocuous thing. It's obviously led to so many problems for him. Um yeah. But yeah, that's just the start of the bad injury news. Yeah, yeah. It's, like I said, it's just the start. Unfortunately, another bit of bad news. We were kind of hoping that he'd be involved soon. Terry Oblade looks like he's out for the season. He's he's torn his thigh, but it's the other thigh to the one that he tore previously. 
that's just like that's when you look out, you look out, isn't it? When you hear something like that, mm. it's just and especially as he, he was the pace that we were really crying out for, and unfortunately, it's probably he's probably played, kicked his last ball for us, hasn't he? Yeah, with those types of injuries, especially like ones in your leg, when you're recovering, it's just sort of natural to compensate on the other side, which mm. has probably led to this injury, just because your um, other muscle on the other side isn't strong enough yet to, to yeah. take the load that you're trying to put through it, so you uh, one side does a lot more work than the other, and that leads to these sort of injuries, but... Yeah, I mean, how much of a difference maker he would have been? I know he would have added that pace, and we don't I, really have that from anybody else. But I know he's it wasn't somebody I think was going to come in. One, I don't think be he was a starter. Start games. No, I think as, a, as an impact sub, I think he could have really made an impact because at the moment when we throw on the subs, it's like there's yeah. there's just not he's the something a bit different to be fair. Yeah, and that's that's the key thing. There's a little bit of chaos in there as well involved in it. And we just—it's all very samey, samey when the subs out there. I mean, Maguire's not making an impact when he comes off the bench, for instance, is he? And we'll have to mention him in the injury update in a second. Mm. Let's get on to the other ones. Obviously, Callum Guy's still out, uh, about six, seven months away from recovering. Josh Emmanuel, not quite there yet. It sounds like he was going to miss the Tuesday night game. It looks like he might train on Friday, so there's a possibility. I, I imagine they won't risk him at the weekend, but maybe next week. He might be a bit closer to returning, which, which is, a, is, is a positive, to be fair, to have another body. But, I mean, it's a place where we're quite well stocked. For yeah, we don't really need it? a right back at the moment. So, I mean, maybe you could play him as a winger. I don't know. <laughs> might be the best option. No, not for that Wigan performance. Well, well, to be fair, yeah, whether he was meant to be playing a winger that night, I'm not 100% certain, to be honest, but there you go. I don't um, think he was either. No. Um, <sighs> Georgie Kelly. We were hoping he'd be back in the next week or so, but he's felt a bit of something tightness when he's come back onto the grass and had a scan six or seven weeks. Again, it's not quite the season over, but you might only get him back for the last three or four games of the season. Yeah. There's, there's been sort of not mixed reaction because obviously yeah. everybody's disappointed that he's got injured or injured again. Mm. But some people are rightly saying that, you know, this is a long-term sign and he really wasn't, well, some people probably think Absolutely. there's, there's yeah. almost no striker, let alone that you could get in January, that would have been able to save us from the uh, the situation yeah. that we're currently in. So, but it's just frustrating because at least if he was able to come back soon, you could sort of start to, if you want to build Bed up that in. partnership between, yeah, exactly, build up that partnership between him and Coyote, um, or if you just want to play him on his own. We just don't really know what he's going to be like <coughs> in a Carlo shirt. So. Yeah, it's just more frustration, and it's it's another one. I know in over the summer they obviously looked at you know the amount of injuries we got and the sort of ways to tackle it, but it feels like yeah. it's sort of crept back in again. You just wonder sort of what it is. I, do, I, I don't think I don't think you could put it down to the training pitch because it's not bad. Obviously, it gets flooded a lot, but the only I, thing I, I could put it down to I know when I worked at Marine they really hated well not hated they brought in a four G pitch. So when they were going mm. from playing on four G to go on and playing on grass with so many knee injuries. We're not getting bad knee injuries. We're getting it's calves mm. and hamstrings, thighs, you know, so I, I, I don't know. I, I do wonder if that is related to the waterlog nature of the pitch there. And I, like, I, I just, getting a new training ground can't come soon enough because at least that yeah. would take that excuse out of the of the, the, the options, wouldn't it? I guess in that Have sense. there been any more sort of little, I know I heard Lumsden speaking on the Carlo Social that uh, they'd been looking again or at looking at somewhere slightly different for another option for um, where I'd, to 
put this I've new. Not, um, I've not heard any any names or anything yet, you know. But no, neither. But it sounds like in a, we might know in the next couple of weeks, possibly from what I can gather. But we'll have to wait and see with that. Um, the other injury as you mentioned there, Sean Maguire had to have a uh, a um, injection in his ankle because he had some discomfort at the start of the week. He's still feeling some discomfort now, so it's touch and go about whether he'll be involved at the weekend. Interesting one. Uh, after the game against, well, after the game against Burton was called off, uh, they got the mascot into the dressing room, didn't they? Because she wasn't going to be able to obviously lead the team out. And yeah. I think her dad had taken the day off, so they weren't sure if he was going to be able to do the rearranged game. Mm. Maybe they came from Sheffield, so they got a nice little photo with the whole team group in there. And uh, Anton Dudik was in the uh, in the dressing room, and um, and yeah, it, it, interesting that he was, all, and he was in his shorts as well. He's in with his squad number on, so. I wonder if he might be involved the weekend if Maguire isn't available because we haven't really got any attacking options otherwise, have we? That's the I problem. We may as well roll the dice. Well, yeah. I mean, there's not really much, too much harm in it as long as it doesn't get to the stage where I don't know Armstrong picks up a bad injury or season-ending oh, injury. It gets to the point like where we had Sam this, Fishburne starting for a few weeks. This, this, this is what so, worries me. It really does with Armstrong is that he's our only striker now, and I don't want us to wear him into the ground because he's a long again. He's a long term. Term signing, he's not a short term one, you know. We, we, I but don't want him to be knackered. He's not the start too injury prone. I don't think no, he's, he's too injury to prone. I get what you mean that you don't want him to be sort of overloaded. Um, yeah. But he really didn't play too much the first half of the season, to be fair, no, when he was arrogant. So I don't think that's. I'm not too concerned about that. But it would be nice to see Dudik on the bench just to sort of see yeah. um, a different name, you know, somebody potentially coming on who's something we haven't seen before. Because yeah. that's all we have to cling on to. At the moment, yeah. There's not a huge amount else, really, is there? I mean, in, in terms of the team selection, what what would you do with this one? Um, I don't... I think... I think I'd go back to having Paul Huntington in, in the team. Mm. Um, I'm not sure whether I'd... I know you mentioned about Green potentially starting. I don't think they'll go for that, but no. it's certainly an interesting idea. Um I, I think I think they should probably go back to a three with um okay. but I'd drop uh Lavelle of the oh, three. Okay. He's played a lot. I, I don't know if he's played every game, league game for mm. Carlisle this season, but he's played a lot and I think over the last sort of month or so he's not been quite up to it. I don't think it'll do any any harm to just not start, you know, a game or two, maybe. But th- he's not quite offered enough to have uh, to sort of cement himself, I think. I think he's been okay, but I don't think there's also any harm in dropping him for the game. So I'd go back three of Barkley, Huntington and Mellish. One thing I want to see Mellish doing more is stepping into midfield sometimes yeah. if they've got an extra man in midfield. So then you can still play that three at the back and have him from that deeper mm. position, but he's got the legs to get out quickly and, and close down. So yeah. I'd want to see that more, but it's been happening for so long, I don't think he's being instructed yeah. to that that's just my I mean, personal thing i mean i'm 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 i've just checked there he's played every single game lavelle yes yeah, all 31 game. all 31 games so yeah he's certainly been worked into the ground yeah. this season i think it's fair to say yeah um, so um i think apart from that i uh, yeah i don't really know yeah would i go with the, the one thing with the three at the back is if you want to play both diamond and gibson is that I mean, you have to give up something in midfield. Well, so maybe Diamond could be uh, put to the bench and, you know, you could put another man back in midfield, but 
See, yeah, I'm struggling. I, I, I tend to, I'd agree with you in terms of what I do. I don't think Simo will do it. I think he'll stick with the back four. I, I would go back to the back three, and I would bring Hunt and Sun in as well. Mellish on the left. I'd probably stick with Lavelle on the right. To be honest, I think, he, I think, and I think that's just because I think that's what Simo would do. Back at right wing back, Armour at left wing back, just to get some defensive solidity in there. Because Robinson, yeah, I'd agree with Armour, just also because I don't yeah. think Robinson's. He just needs a bit of a. Yeah, a break from the team. Yeah, yeah, um, and like I said, midfield Vela and Neil pick themselves at the moment. I'd put Gibson in the midfield free. Go back to the way we used to do it, and and try and have him just as the creative outlet, just behind your front too. And I'd probably just play. I'd play Armstrong and Diamond up front together, and I'd just give Diamond a little bit of license to sort of roam about a little bit, and it'll sometimes become a three-four-three, sometimes a three-five-two, a little bit of flexibility there. But I suspect that does give you the free. That does give you the option, though, with what you said, to go... Um, Mellish into midfield. Yeah, go Mellish into midfield. But my problem then with that, if that happens, is you've got a back two of Lavelle and Huntington who aren't very mobile, which yeah. is why I would lean, if you're going to play if you're going to play how, Lavelle or Huntington for this game, I'd play Huntington. How, and how then mobi- I'd have Barkley. I, I, I haven't seen enough of him. How mobile is a thirty-three-year-old Lyle Taylor? I don't know. I always think he was quite a big lad and big, strong lad, but I don't know how mobile he's in terms of getting around the pitch. He might, he might be. I've not seen enough to. But to, I think to that. I think most strikers at this level are mobile or mo- more yeah. mobile than a pairing of Huntington and Lavelle that can be exploited point. regardless. <laughs> a, I think of whoever's there. So I'd just rather have that cover in case Lyle Taylor does decide to go back a few years and you know open up the taps. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Right, uh, another thing we actually didn't mention before, I should say as well, there's something that came out this week as well, is about Corey Whelan. Um, he's been he's been yes. left out of the, the squad for the rest of the season. So obviously you have to name your squad to the EFL. There's certain things like under 21, I think you don't have to name, and then goalkeepers as well. Um, I don't think there's any limit on under 21s. I no, think there's you no limit on under 21s. Yeah. You have to name them, yes, but you, you, there's no limit on the number you can. Um, and... We only had, we basically, our squad was full in terms of the players. So Simo has opted to leave Whelan out, thinking we've got enough defensive cover so that he can potentially bring in a free agent to fill that extra role for the rest mm. of the season. Quite sad for Corey, isn't it? Because he's been a really good servant to us. I think he's taken it fairly well in terms of his, the way he dealt with it on social media, you know, in terms, because also he's mentioned the fact that we offered to pay up his contract and he, he decided to turn it down. And, and Simo's not been like angry about that. He's just said, look, they've chosen not to, that's fine. We'll carry mm-hmm. on as it is, and they've they've had a grown up conversation about it. Bit of a shame, like I said, it, it ends that way for him, but because he's obviously going to go in the summer. But you know what a fantastic uh, servant he's been over the last couple of seasons, especially in terms of you know coming in and doing a job when you know he's been left out on the cold sometimes. Yeah, especially that playoff final where he yeah. was having to come Excellent. in for for the hero that was Barkley, and you know he stepped up to that level yeah. on the day, and and really you know you wouldn't have noticed. No. I bet from Stockport's perspective, they probably would have thought that that was our strongest eleven, and that yeah. was just a, a seamless fit. So yeah. I do feel from I think the people who say why would he not just want to go play football somewhere else? I think when in his statement we said you know it's due to personal and family reasons. Yeah, we forget that you know this is a job for people. Yeah, and you know. Yeah. If, if it's better for your family to stay in a certain area yeah. or, you know, a certain contract's better for you, then, you know, you're going to stay there. So that I, I think it, the the view of, oh, you should just go play football, why would you not want to go and, and play? Yeah. Obviously, Simpson probably has that view too. That's probably what he's getting off the books. Um, 
but back to my point, the logistics of you know having to move your family yeah. and things like that, you can clearly see that this is not ideally what he wants to be doing, but yeah. this is what's best for him and, and the people I, around him. And the the only club we know for, for certain has been interested in him was Colchester. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, that's a move and a half, isn't it, for him? Well, he's, I, think I think he was he came out at the time that it was... Yeah. yeah, well, it came out at the time that I think he... Like, the reason why was because of... He turned it down because of geographical reasons. Yeah. Um, and which, also, again, is fair enough. You know, if, place, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so... Yeah, if if it's only going to be teams like Colchester and ones down south who are interested in him, then he may as well stay here. Yeah, hedge you know. his bets till the summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Maybe get a national league move if he really wanted to, but yeah, yeah, yeah we'll see. But we'll he's see. been a, he's, like you say, he's been a brilliant servant, especially over the last year or so, yeah. where he's been called on when needed, and he's. There's, I can only think Never of a couple down, of man. games. I, the only game I can really think, oh god, he was really shaky, and that was Stockport away last season. Yeah. But the whole defence was, so I can't no, we, just we, put we it on him. That day. We weren't there that day at all. Right, uh, let's get some predictions for this one then. Uh, Adam, what are you going to go for first? Uh, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw, mm-hmm. as 1-1s always are. Um, and I am going to go with a Jordan Gibson goal for Jordan us. Gibson goal. Okay. Um, right, let's have Mike's prediction next. I'm going to go for a big 3-1 win and I'm going to go for a brace from Armstrong and a goal from John Mellish. Okay, 3-1 win. I am going to I'm going to go for this. I when I did the Cambridge United pod I predicted a 1-0 win. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win actually instead. Let's go for 2-0. Luke Armstrong and oh, who's going to get the other goal? Um, yeah, let's go John Mellish go on I'm going to go John Mellish with the other goals so there you go. Armstrong and Mellish to score the goals uh, right let's have Dan's prediction now 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 nil. Armstrong hat-trick Jack Diamond Jordan Gibson up the blows yeah thanks Dan I'll have uh, whatever you've been drinking this weekend That's a, a, a bold prediction as usual to say the least right Let's do the X-Files section to wrap things up, Adam. A um, few bits to cover this week. Actually, quite a busy week in terms of goals and that kind of thing. Uh, let's start uh, last weekend. Zach Clough, he scored from the penalty spot for Adelaide United in their free-free home draw with Perth Glory. Jeremy Proctor, he was sent off for Barrow in their 2-0 defeat to AFC Wimbledon. I think he's been in a bit more trouble, hasn't he, I think, over this. I think he's, has he been given an I'm FA sure, charge, I think? I don't think I've actually seen it. No, I think, he, I think I don't think he reacted very well to it, and I think he's been given an FA charge for the reaction toward the officials right. uh, in this one. So uh, yeah, a bit of a naughty boy there. Um, busy afternoon for Andy Cook uh, for Bradford's game at Wrexham. He missed the penalty on like I think the 84th minute or something like that, but then went and scored the winner in the 90th minute, a one nil victory over Wrexham. I think that Wrexham's first home defeat in I think quite it's, a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the first. Or actually, no, I think what it is is the first time they've been held scoreless. That the was race it, course yes. for a long time. Yes. yes, exactly. You're right. The first clean sheet kept against them for a long, long time. So, fair play to Bradford there. Um, Mark Ellis scored a consolation goal for Chorley in their 3 1 FA trophy defeat at home to Solihull Moors. And we're keen to mention this name every week at the moment. George Glendon scored for Chester in their 3 0 home win over Scarborough Athletic. He was one of those players who really disappointed me, Glendon, because I expected a lot from him in, 
he looked lively his first few games, but he never quite kicked on, did he? Real mm. shame that. Um, into midweek, uh, Ryan Edmondson got his first goal goals, I should say, there for uh, Central Coast Mariners. He scored a hat trick for them, netting three times as they beat uh, Prom Plan in. Sorry, Prom that's Plen not how you pronounce it. No, it, it's it's Prom it's Prom Plen. It is. It genuinely, I, I googled this. I looked. Really? It. Yeah, Prom Plen. I'm going to get this wrong. <laughs> Sounds like now. a Welsh team, stupid. but um, but yeah, so. Some team from Cambodia, basically, I think it is. I saw some people who were like, oh, he's already gone and scored a hat-trick for them, why would you let him go? <laughs> Did you see who he scored against? It's not like he was, you know, oh, it's... netted a hat-trick against Wickham or yeah. something. Yeah, the, the... I mean, Farmers League is is probably quite literal yeah, for that I mean, team. It, it's basically the capital of Cambodia. If I've pronounced it wrong, I do apologise, but that's what it said on uh, YouTube or whatever. I think I looked it up on there. Um yeah, he scored a hat-trick for them in this game. I think he came on as a sub, actually, so he's done quite well to, to get the hat-trick from, from that game. Um, it, I think it's in the it's in the AFC Cup zonal semi-finals. I don't even know what that is. I tried to find out what it actually meant. It, 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 it's not even like the Asian Champions League. I think it's some weird... Is it their version of the Europa League? I don't. I couldn't work it out. I, I tried to find out what it meant, but there you go. So, But well done, Ryan, getting a hat-trick. He seems to be enjoying himself out there, and, and good luck to the lad. Uh, Geffen Jones, he scored for Bolton Wanderers in their 2-1 home win over Wickham Wanderers. Cole Stockton scored the goal for Barrow as they lost 2-1 at home to Forest Green Rovers. That was Forest Green's first win, I think, since this year, wasn't it, I think? I think since maybe like... Oh, yeah, they've been really bad. November last year. So not not a good result for Barrow, that at and, all. Yeah, and Barrow uh, slowly slipping down the league. Mm. <laughs> uh, a familiar name we haven't mentioned for quite a while, though. Harry McCurdy. He scored an injury time equaliser for Swindon Town in their 2-2 draw at Gillingham. Andy Cook scored again for Bradford in their 4-0 home win over MK Dons. Toby Show Silver scored uh, for Maidenhead United against his former club Halifax Town as they lost 2-1. Uh, and and a game between Oldham and Boreham Wood ended up with scorers on both sides who ex-Blues. Joe Garner grabbed his first goal for Oldham in the 2-1 win over Boreham Wood. Uh, and Mosagaf scored the goal for Boreham Wood in that game. Nice Mo Sergaf. He, he really didn't live up to the expectations at all, either, did he? <laughs> was quite, he was the, was I don't remember player. having expectations other than uh, the he fact looked, that his he name looked, sounds like Mo Salah. But he, in the first few games, he looked really light. He really played on the wing for always oh, quite exciting him. And yeah, just, 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 just did not work. Uh, just a couple of other bits of news. Uh, James Brown, he signed uh, for Rafe Rovers on loan from St. Johnston until the end of the season. And Ryan Carr. Remember him? He came up for the youth team, went off to yeah, yeah. Town. He's joined National League Southside, Avely, on loan from the Tractor Boys. I think that's for the rest of the season. I couldn't find the details on it, but yeah, he's, he's gone to them. You'd imagine so at this point in the season. Yeah. You'd Unless it's so a month-long one, but I doubt it would Possibly. be. No, no, you wouldn't think so. Uh, and that's it. That's it, Adam. Uh, thanks once again for joining me. Really appreciate yeah, no it. Just hoping for a win at the weekend. Just just to lift yeah. our spirits. This is just like anything. I was gonna say therapy. It's not even really therapy. It's no. it's actually it's probably the opposite of therapy. It's like mental torture, isn't it? Every week for an mm. hour talking about this or more than an hour, unfortunately. But there you go. Um thanks once again to our sponsor, London Band for their support this season. Always appreciated. Thanks once again to all you listeners for, for joining us every week. Like the, 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 the figures continue to rise week on week, so it's it's really, really appreciated, despite the fact that the blues are really struggling. Um in terms of upcoming episodes, obviously we'll be looking ahead to the Bristol Rovers game next week um, and obviously reviewing this game uh, but that's it really other than that uh, last thing to say is uh, thanks and up the blues up the blues all are united with you.
好。